Welcome to Reengage and happy spring. Man, it's snowing in blizzard in some parts of the country, but in good old Dallas, we're getting some sunshine. So thank you for giving us your night tonight. It is with pleasure that I bring to the stage this evening Scott and Kristen Kadersha. Scott serves as director over marriage ministry, which includes Merge, Foundation Group, and Reengage. And so let's give a warm welcome to Scott and Kristen. Good evening, everyone. Should have a handout in your seats. You can grab one of those. As well as an Easter invite that is uh, for you or for anyone you care for, want to invite. And so we're glad that y'all are here tonight. Yes, we are. Yeah. And we're, we're glad we're here tonight. <laughs> so um, Scott and I have been married 16 and a half years. We have four boys. They are 13, 13, 11, and 9. Is there a picture? Should be a family picture, I believe. There, they there you are. go. Yeah. Um, this was Christmas that so we just had this done. Um, Scott's been here, we've been here at Watermark since about 2002, and um, I'm a physical therapist, very part-time, and Scott has been here on staff, everything from married community groups to merge to where we are today. Yeah. What else? That's, about, that's good. All right. Uh, so, hey, we're in the middle of every, every week in March, we're talking about communication, and so if you... Weeks ago on March 7th, I think I just snorted. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> okay, so uh, two weeks ago, John and Pam McGee did a great job talking about negative communication patterns. It was the, the weenie, so not a sex talk, but withdraw, escalate, negative interpretation, invalidation. And so if you have not heard that, I highly recommend that you go online and listen to that. That will be foundational to help you grow in your marriage and then through re-engage uh, in the days and weeks ahead. And tonight we're going to kind of pick off where they left off. And so we're going to talk about the importance of listening. And so nobody likes to talk about it. It is an essential part of communication. There's really two parts. There's to oversimplify something very complex. There's the speaking part. There's the listening part. And many, uh, most of us are not really good at what we're going to talk about tonight, present company included. And so we're going to do three things in our time together. One, just what does God's word say about listening? Second, we're going to model a really good uh, tool that we think will be helpful for you to help you be better listeners. And then last, we're going to just give you a few very quick practical uh, best practices on how to be good listeners. And so what does the Bible say about listening? <clears throat> So our first scripture that we're going to go to is Proverbs 18.2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And so this is when we care much more about what we have to say than what the other person needs to say and wants to say. And so we are all guilty of this. This is kind of a universal, um, we're just selfish and we want to say our stuff and we really typically don't care what the other person has to say. The next one is very closely connected to this one. It's Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening is folly and shame. And I love the way that God's word does not, you know, does not mince words. And so we're called fools. We're called shameful. There's a verse I just read a few minutes ago. It's in uh, Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates reproof is stupid. And so this fits in, in the bucket of just uh, a really, uh, really pointed words that when we don't follow God's word, we're foolish. And so when this happens, this is when our spouse is communicating and we just don't listen. All we're really doing is, is thinking of our response. What am I going to say when she finally stops running her mouth? 
That's not That's me, not, right? No, no, no. All right, James 119. Um, you probably have all heard this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Um, this is not a marriage verse. This is universal. This is how we should communicate with everyone, your kids, your friends, community, whatever it looks like, your coworkers. Um, and we typically do the opposite. We get mad. We raise our voice. We talk faster and louder so that we can win and so that we can get our point across. And that does not help us listen to the other person. The next two are very closely related. They're on your sheet. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. And so we just need to be people who listen to advice. In verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise will listen to advice. And so it involves a level of humility that we, we all need, that marriage requires and calls us to. And so whether it's our spouse, a friend, even our children, sometimes a coworker, our boss, we need to be people who are willing to listen and be humble enough to, uh, to care for what the other person has to say. And then James 4, 6, this one's an ouch. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So this is actually in two different places in the Bible. First Peter 5, 5 says pretty much the same thing, um, but I don't want to oppose God. Um, and so I don't know about you, but that, that sounds like a little bit of a lightning strike if you do. Um, and God, but God gives grace to the humble, and your spouse would give grace to you if you're humble as well. Yeah, last thing, just before we go into a real practical tool that will help you, is just the way that digital media has changed the way that we communicate. And so we tend to think, and this is not a, uh, technology in and of itself is not evil. Right, like money or like sex, it could either be used to God's glory or it could be abused. And we have learned a lot of negative patterns from communication. We have uh, gotten to the point where we speak in tweets. And so we've got 140 characters. We don't talk face to face. A lot of our communication is just real quick, short bursts, which is helpful throughout the workday. But the problem is there's even at times at home when, you know, my kids are downstairs and I just don't feel like going downstairs or Kristen's, you know, a whole like, two doors away, and so I'll just text her instead of communicating. And so we've got to be really aware of how much technology has changed the way that we communicate. And in the process, because we communicate in such short bursts and 140 characters, I guess it's 280 characters on Twitter now, we've almost lost the ability to communicate and to listen. And so if it's longer than 280 characters, I'm gone. You've gone way too far. And so in many ways, we've lost the ability to go deep with one another when we communicate because we don't know how to listen. And so we're going to talk about uh, something that maybe you've heard about before, active listening, speaker listener. Uh, it's a way for you to really apply all of the scriptures that we just talked through. It's a way for you to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. It's a way for you not to formulate your response, but to really care about what your spouse has to say. And so uh, we're going to go over the rules, and then we're going to do two things. We're going to show you a very poor example of what this looks like, and then a right way of applying the active listening uh, process. So the rules for the speaker are that you speak only for yourself, and you don't mind read, so I'm not telling you what what I think you're thinking. I'm telling you exactly what I'm thinking. You speak in short phrases. That's probably mostly for us women that can go on and on and on, but for any of you that are very verbal, short phrases. And you stop often and let the other, the listener paraphrase. And so it helps to keep short phrases so that they can repeat back to you or paraphrase back to you. Now the listener is to be listening so that they can paraphrase what they hear 
they are not to rebut. This isn't where the listener gets to, to speak into it or to tell you what they think. You're not going to react or formulate response as you're listening. You're just to be listening and to be focusing on what the speaker says. And then the rules for both of you are this person that is speaking is the one who has the floor or will be the one that continues the conversation until the listener has paraphrased and you both feel like um, the speaker feels like they are understood and the listener feels confident that they understand what's being said. And then you swap and you let the listener become the speaker and the speaker listen. Good. So a few weeks ago, Kristen did a talk with... um, a bunch of young moms at a ministry here called The Nest. And so her talk was about unmet expectations in marriage. And so as part of the prep, I was like, hey, what, do you want my help? Can I help you know, put some thoughts together? And so Kristen had a great outline, but she, um, she wanted some help thinking of examples to add to the outline. And so I suggested a few things. And, and then when Kristen did a run through with me right before she did the talk live. This is, uh, this is what our conversation, it didn't look exactly like this, but it wasn't too far off of it. And so Kristen runs through the talk and about halfway through, I go, hey, hang on for a minute. It seems like all of the negative examples uh, in there are about me. Wait, let me, I'm sorry. All of the examples in there are about me and they're all negative. How come there's nothing like bad about you? It's all bad about me. You shouldn't use the word all. Well, okay, so... 99 out of 100 are negative about me. Does that make you feel better about yourself just to keep knocking me down? Well, you helped me write the talk. You gave me the examples. And you know that I'm terrible at coming up with examples and remembering things. Wouldn't it it hurt like every once in a while if you would just say something good about me in public? People know we have a good marriage. I don't need to tweet it out the greatness of Scott Kadersha. Hashtag my husband's a stud or hashtag best marriage ever. So now it just feels like you're patronizing me. I'm not asking you to tweet anything out about our marriage. It just would be nice for you to affirm me once in front of others. Like I think about Elizabeth. She's always talking about how great her her husband is. It's obvious she loves her husband. You never say anything good about me in front of others. You're not listening. I just told you you shouldn't use the word never. Okay, I'm sorry I'm not a communication expert like you are. Please forgive me. I just get jealous and tired of, of hearing all of our friends talk about how great their husbands are. You never say anything good about me. I don't need to tell others that our marriage is great. They watch us and see it in us. I think it's kind of gross when people go on and on and on about how great their spouse is or how amazing their marriage is. Yeah, Chris, I'm just kind of beat down. Like how many times do we need to have this conversation? I always affirm you in front of others. I tell them how great you are. I tell them how attractive you are. I tell them how strong our marriage is. And and I just assume that you're always going to be the one who looks better than me because I'm the one that says it all the time and you're never going to say anything good about me. I'm just kind of tired and worn out. Why do you care so much about what others think of you? (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) And scene. All right, so... um, that's not exactly what it looked like, but, but a, little exaggeration. The, a little exaggeration, but the emotion was really there. And, and so what we want to do now is, is just have that same conversation. So uh, just to give a little background, that is one of my things that I, I wish Kristen would affirm me more in public. And so when, I, when she ran through the talk and it was all negative examples about me, I started to get, uh, you know, I started to get my, my blood pressure went up a little bit. So, hey, Kristen, it feels like uh, that all the examples you're using are, are negative about me. And so, you know, I'd love it if you would say something positive in there as well. So what I understand you to say is that it feels like everything in my talk is negative about you and positive or neutral about myself. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And you're in a room with a bunch of people who, you know, they don't know me, they don't know our marriage, they don't know what I do. And so it just, it seems like, um, seems like you're married to a really bad husband. So this is a different audience than I have really ever taught to. And so they don't necessarily know who we are. They don't know anything about our marriage. And so it, it looks very, makes you look very negative in this particular talk. Yeah. yeah that's, so, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with some bad examples about me, but I think it would be good if we balance those out or maybe if there was some positive about me as well. So if we can come up with and remember some things that are positive about you and add those in an appropriate way, that would be helpful and encouraging to you. Yeah, this shouldn't be that hard to remember because there's like 4,000 of them. And, you know. I have a bad memory, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, that, I mean, that would, um, that, that would really encourage me if, um, if there were some good examples of how I've loved you well and not just the, not, not, you know, not just the funny negative ones. I understand what you're saying. Good. Anything, what would you like to say? Um, I would say first, forgive me for not adding some things that are good without needing to be asked or told that. Yeah, of course I forgive you for that. You don't need to ask for my forgiveness, but absolutely, yes. Um, And it wasn't intentional. Um, A lot of it was just kind of some of the funny stories that we've told in the past and I just left those there and I did not expound on the positive and didn't think through the audience that, I was talking to. Okay, that was a lot. Uh, let me see if I can repeat it back. And so you said um, it wasn't intentional. Uh, you hadn't thought through um, who was going to be there and that they might not know us. And um, you've just used, we've used a lot of those examples in the past. And so you're using those again. You got it. Good. Awesome. Anything else? I love you. You're the best husband ever. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> Preach. Amen. So what I heard you saying is that I love you and I'm the best husband ever. Got it. All right. Good. So it was a, it was a, that's a radically different conversation, right? Like in the first one, we we were defensive and, uh, and trying to be right. And we didn't really listen. We didn't respond to what the other person said. We just like rebutted. Let me tell you how, how, what you said was wrong and how I'm right. And I don't feel like we, we would not have walked away from that conversation, understanding the heart behind it at all. And if we had a little more time, you know, part, part of that is just an insecurity on my part. And so when we actually had this conversation, it, it went south, hit pause on it, said, we need, we need to come back. We need to speak or listen or with one another. And, and Kristen shared some really good things with me that uh, shared sometimes that, that I look too much for the approval of man. And that, uh, that I worry too much about what other people think of me. And then at the same time, I think it was good for Kristen to hear, it's okay for us to, it's okay to say good things about your spouse. No one walks away thinking, man, Kristen, all she does is talk about how amazing her husband is. And so we, we came to a really good understanding with one another. We were not headed in a good direction the first time we went through that conversation. And so I, I know you can change the subject matter Whatever it might be for the two of you, we have all been there where we're not really listening to one another. And it feels a little bit hokey in some ways, you know, what I heard you say and and that back and forth is awkward. The reason why it's awkward to do those things is because we don't do them. And it usually doesn't go well for us when we're not practicing uh, the principles that we just shared. It doesn't go well for us when we're not slow to speak, slow to become angry and quick to listen. All we do is the opposite. And the reason why most of our conflict goes the wrong direction is because we're not willing to hit the pause button on it and have the conversation in again in a way that shows that we actually are listening to one another.
And so the good thing for you guys, all of your leaders know how to do this. They know what it looks like. This would be a great conversation for you to have within your group for a few minutes. And just ask them, what is, ask your leader what this really looks like in real life. So for the two of us, it's not this what I hear you saying robotic speech. We're not parroting one another, but we really do try to apply everything that we just talked through to make sure that we're listening instead of formulating our response. If we're really honest, that's what most of us really do when we're communicating is we don't listen. We just think about how we're going to rebut. And so even that one little statement of saying, hit the pause button, make sure that you're listening to what your spouse says, and then let them know that you hear what they communicated as you repeat it back to them. Anything you done? It just, it makes it a safe place to have a conversation because you know you can say something and hopefully the other person is listening and not going to become defensive or kind of jump down your throat because they're going to have to stop and wait and rephrase it. Yeah, that's real. I love love that you said that. Just that creating that safety in a relationship. Uh, The reason why many of you are in this room uh, is because there's no safety for you to communicate. And so this apply, this gives you a really, really safe way to communicate with one another, all right? All right, shift gears a little bit, very practical for a few moments. Again, just best practices for listening. So technology, first one is just put your phone away. I think we all are on some level, not all of us, a lot of us are addicted to our phone, whether it's checking texts or emails or Instagram or whatever it might be for you. Um, it just communicates that you really don't care what they're saying and you're certainly not paying attention if you're scrolling through and answering things. Yep. Along that, those lines, a corollary to that one is just get rid of all the distractions. And so turn off your TV, put down your book, put away the iPad, shut down the computer, take out, the, <laughs> take out your headphones and your earbuds. You're, I'm like, my phone is in the other room, but you've got music playing in them. And so take those out of your ears, uh, earbuds, not earbuds, right? Yes. Yes. And then here's another one that is if you've got a TV in your bedroom, I, I'd suggest getting rid of it. If you get rid of it, there's more fun stuff you can do in your bedroom than watch TV. The next best practice, just think through the timing. So truth is never optional, but timing and method are. And so if you are hungry, angry, late, lost, or tired, that's not probably the time to have a hard conversation or to dig deep into something that's um, been bothering you. I was leading a Bible study with a group of guys about a year ago, and one of the homework assignments that I gave the guys was 10 great questions to ask your wife. And so things like, how can I love you better, serve you better? How can I put your needs before my own? And I'm so excited to talk through these with Kristen. The day got away with that from us. And, you know, it's 1130 at night and we're lying down in bed. I'm like, hey, I got some fun questions for us. And she's like, can we please wait? And, and then it just became, well, man, I want to talk about like, like how I'm doing and loving you. And says, well, you can love me really well by asking me those questions another time when I'm not so tired. And so uh, it's not what you say, it's just thinking through the timing and the method of what you're communicating. Next is to fight selfishness, be intentional. And so, you know, like anything else, this takes practice and discipline. Uh, Quit your agenda. We tend to put our agenda before our spouse. Don't listen just to check the box, but listen in order to understand and learn. That requires some of that humility that we talked about. If you you go to church here on Sunday, uh, Adam Tarno just did a great message on selfishness and how when we're selfish, it robs us of relationships. And so whether you go here or not, if you missed it, I'd encourage you to, to find that. It's on Watermark's homepage and just how selfishness affects us in every way. And we've got a war against selfishness. Another good practice is just 
kind of after the conversation is done, you've both heard each other, ask good questions. Just continue to be curious. You're always going to be learning more about your spouse and not the superficial, superficial yes, no, but the open-ended, give me, you know, what's going on in your heart, what are your dreams, those kinds of things. Um, and ask that so that you can learn, not just so you can pass the time or fill the air with conversation. Yeah, I'm so thankful. I'm probably more like my kids and my wife is, but, you know, the kids every day, I'll ask them, how was school? And I get, fine. Good. What was good about it? It was cool. Was it a good day? Yes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're driving me crazy. Give me, like, speak, communicate. You know, when I ask questions, and so you got to ask deeper questions. It doesn't help my kids when I say, how was school? Instead, I've got to say, hey, how was your test uh, today? How did that go? And so I'm giving them more specific questions. Next is practice the seven-minute rule. And so this is, this is really interesting. I read this in a book recently that uh, so often we, we start in a conversation, but within seven minutes, we get distracted and the conversation is over. And so whether that's at the dinner table, in the car, on a date with one another, and typically it gets distracted by a phone, by a text, by uh, some kind of interruption. But they say that if you can actually engage with one another for more than seven minutes, and I don't know what's magical about the number seven in this, but that's when you really go from superficial to deep. And so at our dinner table, we don't bring phones. We don't have the TV on. Uh, even during the NCAA uh, March Madness, that's actually this one time we do have it on, is, is during college basketball. And then I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to watch. But most of the time, the other 360 days of the year, there's, there's no TV, there's no phones. And then even in the car, this is one that we're all kind of guilty of. If you've got kids, it's really simple just to give your kids a device so they're quiet and you can have a nice quiet ride. And there's a lot of research that's actually been done on families that pursue one another well. They don't allow devices in the car. And what they do is they actually almost force them to have conversation in a really good way. And so if you're going to grow with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, practice the seven-minute rule. It will allow you to have deeper conversations with each other. Now, last best, last best practice tonight is pay attention to your body language. And so... Locking eyes with one another, just it's a way of knowing that you're paying attention to each other, face each other, and then kind of be aware of what your facial expressions, kind of your listening face looks like. I think I can have kind of a scowl all the time, and it's not meant to be a mad face, but the other person can perceive it as that. So someone's like, why do you hate me? And she's, you know, it's just the face that she's making when she's listening. She can't help it. She's got a beautiful face. I just don't want to see that smile. All right, so that, that's it. There's a whole lot more that we can do on listening and um, if you listen well, it will help your marriage, okay? Simple as that. I don't know any uh, married couple who's married well who doesn't listen well. Because you can take it to the bank. If you want to uh, improve your marriage and re-engage, you've got to be a better listener. And so you've got scripture to go to, and then hopefully your leaders can help shepherd you through the speaker listener, and then hopefully you've got some good practicals as well. I'd love to pray, and then Suze, are you coming up to wrap it up? All right. Well, God, thank you that you give us the opportunity to hear, that you give us uh, the ability to listen and to understand and to communicate with one another. And so, God, I pray that we would be people who would be, uh, who'd follow your word, who would be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, that we would not be fools who think of answers before we really listen. I pray that we would be people who uh, are, are not foolish and that we don't... Um, we don't choose to understand. Instead, we just want to express ourselves. So God, it's, we know it's going to take some effort. And so God, I pray that we would be diligent and push through and persevere. 
that we don't want to listen, that maybe through your spirit or through your word that you would remind us to listen. So I would pray that we would be men and women in this room, that we would be and have marriages marked by uh, good listening skills so that we honor one another and honor you. We love you in Christ and we pray, amen.